let there be light. We talked two weeks ago about how that phrase, let there be light, describes the the, the action of God from the very foundation of creation to the very future in Revelation. Wherever there is darkness, God keeps interrupting the darkness to say, let there be light. And, and we talked about how in Jesus, this God who is always seeing the darkness and speaking light into the darkness moves beyond words into flesh. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing that was made has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth Our God, who whenever there is darkness, says, let there be light in the darkness, went beyond the words and sent His Son in the flesh, God's own Son, to be with us, to share love and salvation with us, to drive back the darkness in the person of His own body. And Jesus... He was not subtle about his mission to drive back the darkness. He wasn't subtle about his identity, about the agent as the agent of God's light. No, John 8 tells us that Jesus spoke again and again to the people saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This claim that Jesus makes, that he in his own flesh is God, that he is the light of the world, this is so central to the Christian claim. This means that those philosophical notions of a God who is distant to our darkness, well, those notions are false. Jesus proves all that wrong. The picture of God as some sort of clockmaker who wound up the universe and now sits back to watch it spin, it's, it's false. Our God is involved. Our God is active. Our God is intruding into this world. The light has come into the darkness. I was struck this week. I was kind of confronted this week in some of my prayers about some of the darkness in my life. Darkness of doubt and fear, darkness of sin. And of course, whenever God's Spirit convicts you of that sort of thing, it's at first an unpleasant experience. I'm not saying it's fun to be convicted of sin or being confronted with your fear. But if you know who God is, If you know that wherever there is darkness, our God is present, bringing light. That moment of conviction, that moment of confrontation with your own sin, with your own fear, with your own doubt, is immediately followed by a moment of grace. 
it's immediately followed by a recognition. And this is exactly what, in my own prayer life this week, following the confrontation, the, the, the conviction of my sin, immediately there was the light of God's love, the presence of God, even in the darkness of my own soul. This is why when the angel came to Joseph to announce the birth of Jesus, she said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the thing that changes in Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Word's let there be light, which God speaks again and again and again into all history and all creation. But now in Jesus, these words have been made flesh. And Jesus is now the light with us, the light in us, the light driving out our darkness. This is why our faith and our proclamation is radically Jesus-centered. Uh, Christianity is, is not a, an ethical system. It's not a moral system. It's not a philo philosophical system. It's not even a theological system. Christianity is a, is a person who's present in the flesh and now in the Spirit with all of us. And this one, this one who speaks, let there be light. This one who embodies, let there be light. This one who is the Word made flesh, saying, let there be light. While he's here, he does the craziest thing. The, the same one who claims, I am the light of the world. He gathers this motley band of a hundred or more disciples. And one day, when they're on a hillside and he's teaching them, the very same one who is the light of the world, who says, I am the light of the world, turns to those disciples. And he says this, You are the light of the world. A town built upon a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. Your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. Your Father in heaven. Isn't that fascinating? The very one who was the light of the world, who is the light of the world, who is the word, let there be light, now made flesh for us, turns to us, to you, and says, you are the light of the world. 
Part of the way God is saying, let there be light in this world is through you because you are the light of the world. Followers of Christ, you and me, are meant to be the light of the world. The church is meant to be a place of public witness. By intention and by design, we are meant to do church, not in the cloister, but in the marketplace. I'm so glad we got our steeple cleaned. Has anybody noticed how shiny that thing is last couple weeks? That's amazing. It's incredible. Because it helps us, I think, be the light of the world. I don't know if that's what Jesus meant, but it can't hurt, right? You see, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is not merely a historical event. God in Christ made flesh for us. It's not merely a theological truth that God himself is fully human and fully God all at the same time. The incarnation is also a picture of how God wants us to live in the world. The incarnation is a strategy that we are meant to follow. We are meant to be incarnate in a world God loves. We are meant to be enlightened by Christ so that we can enlighten the world on behalf of Christ. But, in our quest, in our attempts, in our efforts, in our strategizing about trying to live as the light of the world, there is, Jesus tells us, an ever-present threat. It is right there in the text. The threat is what Jesus calls the bowl. That's what he says. He says, you know, be careful Only a fool would light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, it sounds crazy when Jesus says it, but I don't think he'd mention it unless he knew how real the threat was. Because here's the thing. Churches do this all the time. Individual Christians do this all the time. I do it all the time. You know what it looks like when a church is living under a bowl, right? The light of Christ is present, right? I'm not saying that, but it's hidden. We build programs just for us and make plans just for us. We design our worship services just for us, and we design our outings just for us, and we publicize just to us, and we tell just each other. We kind of just put the whole thing under a bowl, And the thing about a light under a bowl, you realize, is it just makes it super shiny, right? Like, I don't mean some ugly old nasty bowl, but like a real pretty bowl, you know? And you get a light and a big bowl, and you put your head under there, and it's just so shiny and bright. But Jesus says, be careful about the bowl. We do this individually too, right? We have the light of Christ in us. We have been enlightened by Christ. But then we live a life where we only talk to other Christians and only relate to other Christians and only interact with other Christians. And we socialize with other Christians and we we play bridge with other Christians and we go on vacation with other Christians and we work with other Christians and, and, and we just live our whole lives under the bowl. 
And the light is there and it is so bright and warm and shiny. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what the light is for. The light is meant to be on a stand so that it gives light to everybody. The city is meant to be on a hill so that it can be seen for miles around. It's one of my favorite things about what we're trying to do as a church. Is, as a church, we are trying to get out from underneath the bowl. We, we had this thing a couple weeks ago. They had a big party for all of our welcome team people. And if you weren't invited, you should join the welcome team. Um, so um, we had a big party. And it was just amazing to see all these people dedicated to this one mission of making sure that we as a church were a church for our guests. That we were ready for strangers and people we'd never met before to show up on Christmas Eve. Because they didn't want to be, they didn't want to keep their light under the bowl. They wanted their light to shine. And we've been planning services and we've been uh, planning our welcome teams and our parking teams. We decorate our building. Why do we decorate our building? It's not because we like Christmas decorations, though we do. We decorate our building because we want the people who are going to come to feel like, oh, they, did, they were ready for me. They prepared for me. It's the same reason I clean my house. I've never cleaned my house for myself in my entire life. Not once, not ever. I don't care if my house is clean, ever. I clean my house for guests. And that's what we as a church are doing because we don't want to live life under the bowl. Individually, I've just seen some fun things. Somebody told me a story just last week of a, a Christmas party they had this year that was different than they usually do. They said that it, they usually they invite their Sunday school class. They didn't invite their Sunday school class this year. So if you missed an invitation this year, don't take it personally. This year they said they invited all their friends from work that didn't have a local church. That's who they invited to their Christmas party. That's somebody who's saying, doggone it, I'm going to get my light out from underneath the bowl. I'm going to try to be the light of the world just like Jesus says I am. I love driving around every once in a while, and I, I see these uh, FCC for everyone signs in their yard. And we've got some people lights on there. Here, I want to do a little thing. I want to mention this. It's in the bulletin too. But put this, uh, if you know what these are, you're better than me. These are called hashtags, and it's a way to link things together on social media. Um, if you have decorated your house and you put a for FCC for everyone sign on it, we would love it if you would take a picture of it and if you post it on any of your social medias with that little hashtag, then we'll be able to find it and link to it and it'll all be fun. If you don't know how to do any of that, just take a picture and email it to the church. You can look at the instructions in your bulletin. Uh, but, but why are so many of us decorating our house and putting a little sign out there? Well, it's because we don't want to live our lives under a bowl. And it's just one little easy way we can just say, okay, if you want to know about Jesus, you come knock on my door. I've got a sign out front that says I'm here for everyone because God loves everyone and we're here for everyone. And I love that. I, I, I would just challenge you again, if, if, if you want to make sure you're not living life under a bowl, I would just ask you, who are you inviting to church next weekend? Okay? I think we can put the service times up on the thing. Uh, and you can pick up one of these on the way out. I want you to look at these service times. They're different. Um, our Christmas Eve services, we're having two days of them. December 23rd and 24th. December 23rd is a Sunday. This sort of happened to us last year because last year Christmas Eve was a Sunday. December 23rd is a Sunday. December 24th is the Monday. And it's seven services. Nine, eleven, three, five, eleven, three, and five. Now... You might think to yourself, 
Well, that sure is complicated. Those aren't our normal service times. And there's no doubt about it. Changing service times is harder for all of us who come here every week. I expect I'll still get here at 7 a.m. because I'll forget there's no 815 service. So you might be here with me. I get it. I absolutely know that it's harder for all of us who come here every week. Let me tell you who those service times are easy for, though. They're easy for the person you're going to invite. 9 11 It's easy to say. It's easy to remember. It's easy to talk about. So if you're wondering, why did we pick the service times that are hard for us and easy for everybody else? That's why we pick the service times. They're hard for us and easy for everybody else. Because we as a church, we're not going to live under a bowl. Our, our light isn't for us. Our light is for everybody else who's going to see it. And I'll just, I just want to say, we've got these little cards. Maybe you want to pick up one of these cards. We've also got bigger cards if you want the bigger cards. But I really want to challenge you to grab one of these. And I just want you to be on your knees this afternoon, asking God who he wants you to invite. If you haven't already had that conversation with God, you'd be having that conversation. I, I can't imagine God's going to tell you, no, nobody. There's nobody you know. Don't worry about it this year. I, if you go to God and ask God who you're supposed to invite, I think God's going to give you a name or two, maybe 10. We had somebody bring 20 people last year for Christmas Eve. Maybe you're the one who's going to beat that, set a new record for us. I really believe uh, that God softens hearts at Christmas Eve, and you're going to be surprised who will say yes to an invitation. The times are easy, 9-11-3-5, 11-3-5. You may be wondering, are they all the same? Yes, they are all the same. Every single one of them is the same service, same music, same whatever, same everything, same sermon, same videos, same silliness, same serious, same candles, same silent night, all the same, all seven services. Um, you're asking, can I come twice? You can, as long as you bring a friend with you both times. All right. You, I think you got it. Jesus is concerned that we might forget that we're the light of the world. He's concerned that we might live under the bowl, that we might decide that somehow it's shiny enough in here for me, and that's shiny enough. It's shiny enough in here for us, and that's shiny enough. But Jesus is also concerned that we might forget that he is the light of the world. There is another danger we need to be aware of. Not just the danger that we live our lives under a bowl, kind of hoarding the light for ourselves or hoarding it for our church. There's also a danger that we forget that Christ is the true light. And we start to think that our light is the light that matters. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has now made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power from God is from God and not from us. The moon shines, but not with its own light. 
The moon can light up the night. The moon can be so bright that you can walk around as if it was day, and yet the moon has no light of its own. And in fact, when things get aligned the right way, when the world is in between the sun and the moon, well, the moon has no light left, does it? And I just want you to know the same thing is true of your life. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So, so let your light out from under the bowl so that all those will see your good works and glorify, not you, he says, but glorify your heavenly Father. Our light is meant to reflect the light of Jesus. Never to give glory to ourselves. We are tempted by this world to pretend that we're a candle. That if we work hard enough and try hard enough and do good enough, that we can have some light all our own and impress people with how bright we are. But God never invites us to live life like a candle. God invites us to live life like a mirror. If a mirror wants to be bright, it must align itself with the source of light and then reflect that light into the place of darkness. You'll hear more about it as we get ready to it, and we've talked about it already, this thing we got coming up, New Testament in a year, starting in January, challenging the whole church to read the Bible together. Part of the reason we're doing that is because we know our light only shines when we are aligned with Christ. It is when we can reflect the light of Christ that we can truly shine into the dark corners of our world. Here's the good news, folks. The good news that the people you know need to hear the good news is that Christ in the flesh has come as the light of the world. The good news is that Christ in the flesh has come at the, as the light of the world to illuminate the darkness of our world. And as surprising as it may be, the good news of Christmas is that you are invited to be a reflection of that light. You are invited to be a searchlight to illuminate dark places with love and hope, to be a beacon of light, to draw others to the gospel of grace, a porch light to welcome others so they will know they have found a home here among us, people of all backgrounds and of all stories, so that they will know this place and our God is for everyone. So don't this Christmas, in these next few days, don't retreat back to the bowl and say Christmas is for Christians and God's love is for God's people and we're just going to kind of hide under this and stay huddled together. Don't retreat back, Jesus says. For that would be what a fool would do. And don't try to shine with your own light. Don't try to outshine Jesus. Instead, be bold this Christmas to publicly reflect the light of Christ together as a church and individually as a disciple. The light of the world has come to your darkness and as you follow Christ, you too can be the light of the world into the darkness of others. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your light. We thank you that you have so enlightened our lives that we can now 
share that light. Drive us out of the confines that cover up the light, mute the light, and block out the light, but instead, God, let us shine into the world. I just pray very specifically, God, for the people you need us to invite over the next few days. Our city is filled with people who need to know about the grace of Jesus. Would you just inspire us to just, just make a simple invitation this week? We believe you want us to do that, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.